was late in the evening. So I think about the Bernoulli principle, which is the law of flight, that the air over the top of the wing becomes lighter than the air under the wing because that, that's why the wings are shaped like they are. But how many know <clears throat> there's a lawmaker? And one of my favorite verses is in Romans 8.1. And I'm not going to keep you a real long time, but I so appreciate you being here. Uh, I'm excited about where God has us. I've already heard testimony of people who have talked. One lady told her husband, said, you just don't know what I've been hearing has brought me so much freedom. But when we, when we find that freedom, it's because we've, We've uh, become intimate with the freedom giver, and uh, I'm delighted to share something about the faithfulness of God. Uh, I believe this is, we're going deeper into covenant. I think it's very uh, important, the, the faithfulness of God, the oath of God, the nature of faith, and what faith is not. I'm going to talk about what faith is not, and when you read the Hebrews chapter 6, we're going there first. Uh, verse 13, we're going to start in verse 13 and read down uh, a few verses there. I want to talk about the oath of God. This is about covenant. Remember the difference between contract and covenant. This is not a contract. And a lot of Religion will treat it like a contract. And I know in my own life, I really struggle. I just be transparent with you. I struggled for years trying to please God. And because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. But that's not the root of the problem. When you think about without faith. So we got to understand what faith is first. We got to know the nature of faith before we can come to that place. So in Hebrews 6, the writer says in verse 13, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. There's a witness always, a third party, that becomes the mediator of the covenant in, the, in those days. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability, that's the unchanging, of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who fled for refuge to lay hope, hold of the hope set before us. 
And then it goes on. Let's read the rest of it. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This is wonderful news. Now, when you think about an oath that's mentioned there, it comes from a a word, horkos, H-O-R-K-O-S, which means a, a, a fence, a limit that is a restraint, that which has been pledged or promised with an oath. It's akin to boundaries. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. That word issue in the Old Testament is like boundaries. Out of it, from your heart, come the boundaries. So the, the, the word horion is boundaries. It comes from that word as well. Think about, you ever thought about horizon? Uh, over, we can see, especially when you go up in an airplane, you, you can see, you, you actually use the cowling of the, of the airplane to line it up with the horizon, which is the limit the boundary of what you see. You can't see any further than the horizon. And, and so that's how we do a, a coordinated turn is keeping the cowling lined up with a horizon. So when you think about faith, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made by the things which do appear. So Galatians 5, 6, Paul says, he's telling the Galatians they're, they're being drawn back into works, the, the works of the law. And he says, if you, if you think you've got to go back into the law and do... He was, they were trying to get him to go into circumcision again. They got to be, and, and so he said, if you do that, Paul said, if you do that, you got to keep the whole law. But then he said, that'll afford you anything. It won't afford you nothing. Galatians 5, 6. But faith that works by love. That's exactly why I'm here. And I believe that's why you're here is because faith works by love. I love being with God's people. I love being in the presence of the Lord. I love his word. I love his presence. So think about this. James 2. James is really strong. James 2, 17 through 20. He says, let me flip down there. James is saying, so also faith, if it doesn't have works, deeds and actions of obedience, this is amplified. To, go, to back it up, by itself is destitute of power, inoperative, dead. Faith without works is dead. So what kind of works is he talking about? I'm going to show you in a minute. He says, but someone who have faith and I have good works. Now show me your Alleged faith apart from any good works, if you can, and by good works of obedience, 
I'll show you my faith. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians. He said, you are his workmanship. That means masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So what does that mean? It means the lifestyle. It means not doing things out of dogma or a feeling of obligation, but drawn in by this amazing love that fuels our faith, this, this person. So in chapter 17, verse 20, he says, uh, are you willing to be shown proof, you foolish, unproductive, spiritually deficient fellow? Now, this is what he said. That faith apart from good works is inactive, ineffective, and worthless. And then he said, wasn't Abraham justified by works? Yeah, how? When he offered Isaac, when he was obedient to God's directive. So does that mean that we're justified by our works? Well, it, that depends on what the motive is. Uh, verse, when you think about James 2 and 17 through 20, and then you, let's see, verse 26. Look at verse 26. For as the human body apart from the spirit is lifeless, so faith apart from its work, works of obedience is also dead. So what does that mean? When you think about the oath of God we just read from Hebrews 6, 13, 14, where he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself because it was impossible for God to lie. In the new covenant that God made with us, he swears by himself. He is the guarantee. I want you to think about this. Both to the human and the divine side that, he, his, that the covenant would be made and kept. God is the guarantee. It all hangs on him to keep the covenant. So he made the covenant. You, you know why there was no human involved? I want you to think about this. It all hangs on God. He didn't, he didn't have any help from humanity. Genesis 3.15. Remember, Adam and Eve have sinned and they're hiding they're not repentant. They're hiding and they're in fear. So the Lord comes and he comes, shows up for the walk, I believe. He, knowing they missed it and messed up. But he's ready. He has already got a plan. Before they ever had a problem, he already had a plan. And, and Genesis 3.15, notice the lack of, of human help in what God said. He said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the seed of the woman. You will bruise his heel. But know this, he's going to bruise your head, which is the authority, speaks of the authority. And so it was the I wills of God. We talked about that the other night. Over and over, and he announces his intention to bless humankind through the seed of Abraham. Now that hadn't changed. The blessing is, has to do with every facet of our life. 
And that comes through covenant and the promise that he made to Abraham. Look at Genesis 22, 17 and 18. Let's see if I've got that pegged. Yep, yep, I've got it right here. He says to Abraham, verse 16, By myself I have sworn covenant, says the Lord, because you've done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Now, you understand Jesus came to continue that intention with us. To possess the gates means that you've taken over. The enemy doesn't have a say-so anymore. All of the curse Jesus absorbed and we've been redeemed from the curse. So, he says... In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice, Abraham. You've obeyed my voice. Jeremiah 31, 33 and 34. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will, here's some more I wills, put my law in their minds. I'll write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, now this is not the fivefold ministry gifts which are necessary. He's talk, he said that you're not going to have to say, no, the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least to the greatest, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Wow. That's covenant. That's amazing and wonderful. So Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27. Let's read. Let's, re, let's go there for a second. Then I will sprinkle. I will. God is talking. Sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Have you ever struggled or felt... Now, I'm telling you from my own experience. Struggled with, well, I didn't read my Bible today. Or I didn't pray today. I want to tell you that that's not the Father's heart. That's, that's the, that, I'm telling you what he, he's given us right here is, and I'm going to share several things, six things that happened in this covenant that, I'm just over, I'm absorbed with it now because it's not about, well, I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. I got to do this and I got to do that. It's not about that. It's about him. It's about this relationship covenant. I told you what contract was. It's the exchange of possessions or property or even services. And contract is like, okay, you better do what I say. You better do the job right, right? 
That's the way religion, in many ways, shaped me. But covenant's different. It's not giving up property and exchange of possessions. And covenant is the giving of persons. Father God completely gave himself to us. Even in our darkness. Jesus completely gave himself to us. They already gave. Father gave himself to the Son. The Son had given himself to the Father. The Holy Spirit given himself to Father and Son. And in this, in this beautiful triune Godhead, they wanted to bring us into this relationship and show us love. God didn't need us. We're not born because God needed us. Let me tell you, we, we're born because God wanted us. I, I tell young men at Turning Point, even, you're not here because somebody needed you. You're not an accident. God saw you way before the foundation of the world. And he wanted you. That changes everything. We're here because he wanted us. In this moment, in the, I feel the Holy Ghost. In this moment, so he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver you from all your uncleanness. I'll call for the grain and multiply it. And I'll bring no famine upon you. Wow, that's covenant. So that's Ezekiel 36. Here's some promises that, this is not all inclusive, but I think they're important for us to hear. The promises of God is the fulfillment of the oath of God. We started with the oath of God because the promises are attached to his oath. And you and I are the recipients of those promises. Number one, he removes the guilt and the shame, freeing us from the authority of sin and death. So Romans 8, 1 and 2, there's therefore now no condemnation, no shame to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, the, the translators added who walk not after the flesh. That wasn't in the original text. They put that there just for good measure. And it's, you know, we, we're not, uh, here's how you walk in the spirit. You acknowledge that he's in you. My, my everyday, I mean, there's hardly the moments of the day I realize everything I'm doing, he's doing it with me because he's in me. Because here's what. The disciples went everywhere in Acts preaching the gospel, the Lord working with them. No, he wasn't using them. He was working with them. Confirming his word with signs following. I believe he'll do that for us. Because Jesus said it. It's covenant. So he removes the guilt and the shame. The law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. What does the law in sin and death say? It says you'll never be good enough. You'll never meet the standard. That's the law of sin and death. You've missed it. 
But the law of life in Christ tells me I'm accepted. Tells you you're accepted in the beloved. Number two, it gives us the motive and the desire and the, and the empowerment to live in the love of God and for God and for our neighbors. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. He will cause you to love the unlovable. Have you ever had people you just didn't want to love? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> We're human, right? <laughs> I want to give them a piece of my mind. Just wait till I see them. And it's amazing every time the, the Holy Spirit will put a check. He's amazing. He'll, he'll put a check. But, but more than that, he, he changes the whole scenario inside. He's working from the inside out. So he empowers me to love the unlovable. To, to, to show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Oh, what does mercy mean? Loving kindness. Wow. I feel the Lord. Let me tell you, we, we've had those two girls in our house now for quite a while. Kaylee and Lily. They still got some issues. They struggle with depression. Lily's much better, but I'm telling you, for a long time, they were very shy, especially around me. But I started hugging them while my wife is in the room and my daughter. And I'll tell them I love you. I've told them that for months. You know what? Just last week, they started, Lily would start downstairs. She said, she said to me last night, she said, good night, big daddy. I love you. Come on, you understand the influence that the power of love has without judgment. Kaylee does the same thing, 23-year-old sister. I love you, big daddy. I love you too. Because we, we didn't prove that just with words. We proved it with our actions. It, it, it's, it's important that that doesn't come just as a topical uh, ascent to something we know. It comes from our innermost being because after all, isn't it the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that's loving on them now? And He's using us to do it? So, man. So He gives us the motive and the desire and the enabling power to live in love for God and our neighbors. Now, number three. He causes us to belong to Him, bringing us into the family of God. It's amazing. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In Hebrews 11, it goes on down to say, we have not come into a, a mountain that cannot be touched, but we've come into the, to the fellowship of the family of God, the citizenship of heaven. We're made to sit together with him. So, in the nature of faith, it causes us to belong to him and brings us into the covenant family. So, number four, 
frees us from the bondage of Satan and the power of darkness. Colossians 1, Paul said, He has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Whoa. Previously, he said, For by him and for him were all things created, and by him all things are held together and consist. He, he's holding us together, so he, he, call, he, he brings us, sets us free, Colossians 1. Number five, Ephesians 1, he grants us the knowledge of God that's with us, that God is with us, blessing us in everything we put our hands to do. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'll give you a little elementary example. My truck had a slow leak in the right front tire a couple of weeks ago, and I went out and I said, I need to find out what that is. And ha- just so happened that day I'd stopped just right and there was a, there was a roof intact in the tire on the outside tread. So I got in my toolbox, the, the little thing, I pulled the tack out, punched the, the hole in it, put the plug in it, and I'm at church in it tonight. So you know why? Because he gives us a hunch. <laughs> So he, he, he grants us knowledge that God is with us. So I'm never at a place where I'm frantic or anxious about what am I going to do. I didn't need to take it to a tire shop because I had the stuff to fix it. And so God made it work. So, so now, number six, the last one. Ephesians 1 goes with number five that you may be filled with all spiritual wisdom and knowledge, the understanding of your, the eyes of your understanding, not your physical eyes, that they would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope, a calm, confident expectation of a good thing in your future, of his calling and what is the exceeding greatness, uh, riches of his inheritance of the saints, what of the greatness of his power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places to do what? Intercede for us and to give us a place, a joint seating with him. Oh. Number six, he brings us into union with himself, placing his spirit within us. I don't need more of the spirit. He needs more of me. He's in me. The more I give him of me. That's why, why Paul said, don't be drunk with wine where it's in excess or writing, but be filled with the Spirit. So it's important to understand that. So here's what faith is not. And, and I really believe this. Because I've fought with this very, some of these things. Faith is not an energy that resides in the life of a believer. Faith is not an energy that abides in the life of the believer. Faith is not a power that when we build it up and we get focused to make things happen, even to the point of forcing God's hand. I've met people. I always told 
you know, I, I said, you can't use the word like a six-shooter, holding it on God. But faith works by love. Now watch. It's not a work or a struggle to achieve of a state of mind where the hope for blessing can be seen, felt, or possessed. It's not a work or a struggle. I used to make it that. I used to, the disciples said, increase our faith. Well, the author of faith was standing there, right there with them. So it's not a repetition of the words that, that's promised as if continually repeating them will bring the desired blessing. I've learned from experience. Here's what biblical faith, it, it's not found within us as a natural um, force or labor or energy. Faith is not a natural force or labor of energy. Faith is it's beholding and responding to the faithfulness of the Father. And his covenant. Oh, I'm telling you, this has changed my life. It's radically changed my life. In responding to his faithfulness, to his covenant in this person. So faith is like the eye of the spirit. You know, the physical eye is not really aware of itself. My eye is not aware of itself unless something's wrong with it. It doesn't focus on itself. But, but faith is not, it's not self-conscious, morbidly, uh, constantly checking itself to see if it's strong enough. I'm guilty. I said, Lord, help my unbelief, help my faith, which is a good prayer. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit can take that. And then he, he begins to show me what real faith is. He shows me faith. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But it's beholding and responding to the faithfulness of the Father in His covenant. So um, when you think about faith, it's continually looking as it, at its object. God revealed in Jesus Christ. Whoa. Remember Jesus said, have faith in God, Mark 11. Have faith in God. That means we become, he imparts to us this confidence in that covenant with him, knowing how deeply we're loved. So this is how faith comes. Romans 10, 17, you know the verses, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It comes by a revelation of the love and the faithfulness of God, specifically revealed in Jesus who is the covenant? Jesus is the covenant. Whoa. Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing her compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience, looking, verse 2, unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Whoa. So if he originates it, guess what? He's going to complete it. I'm in the better place than I've ever been because he's working on it. 
He's completing it. He's perfecting that that concerns me and you. So the Word of God is more than just words written on a page of our Bible. Bible means book, holy book. The Word of God is ultimately Jesus. He's the Word. So John 1, 1 through 14. I'm not going to read all the... Go, I don't, I'm not going to quote all those, but he said in the beginning was the Word, capital W-O-R-D, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It means to be face to face. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. That word life is not physical life. It's Zoe. It's the God kind of life. And the life was the light of men. So when you think about this life, the Bible said in verse 12, he came into the world and the world knew him not. He came into his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right, the authority to become the sons and daughters of God who were born not of the will of man, nor of the flesh, nor of blood, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There it is, truth. So I want you to think about this. Jesus is ultimately, he is perfect theology. Theology is fact. You, you've heard the term theology and doctrine, right? The theology is the fact, doctrine is the why. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son is the theology. The doctrine, the why is that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's good stuff. So he's the final outspeaking of God to us. Jesus is the final outspeaking of God to us. Remember what the writer of Hebrews says, God who at different times spoke to us by the prophets has now in these last days spoken to us through his son. Covenant. Mark eleven twenty two. Go ahead. And we were also, when we got born again, given these the measure. That's right. Romans. That's the measure of faith. That's the Bible is the measure. We weren't given a measure. The so the Holy Spirit knows the the book from cover to cover, but He knows it from Jesus to Jesus, because <laughs> He is Jesus living in us, God living in us. So think about this. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Jesus said, how faith in God. What is that? What is faith? Faith is completely focused on the loving kindness and the faithfulness of the Father. Jesus said, when you pray, ask the Father in my name. That's what he's, he gave us instruction. He said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you will have it. That's covenant. Wow. So um, I know it's just a matter of time. Prayers. Because I'm focused on the covenant maker. The one who can't lie. The one who is the lover of our soul. So Jesus said, 
whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So there's verses over, we could go through a lot of verses, but uh, John 14, I want to finish with that one. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be anxious for anything. Matthew 6, he says the same thing. Take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. It'll, it'll have, but remember this. The Father knows what you need before you ask him. So he said, don't let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, the Father, my Father, believe also in me. Where have we seen that before? John 17, 3. Father, this is eternal life that they know you and they know me. That word know, gnosko, it's very intimate. But that's where faith really, it, it skyrockets. When you get in this focus of, of this relationship with a covenant-keeping God, the Old Testament said he's ever mindful of his covenant. That's why I believe the Holy Spirit's had me on this for so many weeks. And, and I don't know when he's going to be done, but I'm going to keep going. Because I believe that this knowledge is going to be power. It's going to be power, but it's going to bring us into a wholeness and a peace like we have never experienced. It's going to be amazing. It's already amazing. So Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember the tabernacle? Did I talk about that yet? Just real quick. To enter into the outer court, was called, it was called the way. The entrance into the holy place where the golden candlesticks, the table of shoe bread, and the altar of incense was in front of the curtain was called the truth. The veil, thick as a man's hand that wild horses couldn't tear apart. God had to do it. Let's call the life. And the life, the veil was rent from top to bottom. And now we have life. Eternal. I'm not going to get it when I go to heaven. I already got it. We already got it. Oh, I mean, death just becomes a doorway. So I want you to stand with me. I'm so grateful for you, for being here. It's good to see each one of you. And I'm just grateful for what the Lord's doing. I'm so excited about the Spirit of God that's working. There's people in, tuned in live stream as well who are my, grand, my daughter-in-law. I call her daughter up in Tennessee. She'll send me a text and said, I heard what you said, Dad. She calls me Dad. She heard real dads in Lakeland, but she calls me Dad too. But she listens, and uh, God ministers to her uh, through Bethel as well. So we're grateful. Um, remember, he's in covenant with you. 
And when we come to rest in that place, there's a confident rest in being in covenant with a God who can't lie. I'm telling you, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a sight. So I want to pray for you, if I may. If I may, I'm, I want to pray for you that the Lord richly reveals himself in the deepest measure so that you find yourself in a place where you have no lack. Do, do you understand? He wants us to live in a place where we have no lack. There's been times in my life when I had a need, but I can tell you I had no lack. Come on, you know the difference? If you have a need, that need can consume you. It can take you all, your, your attention off of the need meter. But I'm telling you, I really have brought a lot of peace to my wife as well because I, I tell her, I said, he, he's going to do it. We just got to wait for him and we got to be okay because we don't have any lack. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Ooh. If you have him, guess what? You don't have any lack. But my God says supply all your need. I'm about to preach again. Oh, according to his riches in glory. Not by a depleted bank account, but by his riches and glory, he's going to supply your need. You know what that means? That means when he meets your need, it's going to abundantly, exceedingly above all that you asked or even thought. And he's our shepherd. Amen. That's right. We, we don't want, have any wants. That's right. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for lavishing your love on us. Thank you for wanting us. Thank you, Lord, for the transformation. Lord, thank you for helping us understand faith. Lord, thank you that faith is much more than just something we know or an ascent or even the words of a book. Lord, faith comes by hearing, but that hearing comes by your spirit. And Lord, it causes us to ride upon the high places, to run through a troop and leap over a wall. And Father, I pray that in the days ahead that you'll cover every area of every life. Everyone in this room, Father, I pray your blessings upon their family, upon the work of their hands. Lord, that's what you desire. You take great pleasure in doing that. So, Lord, we agree that, Lord, you're, you're gonna, we're going to be quickened by your Spirit in every facet of our lives, Lord. And we're going to run on for you. And we're going to run on with you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. And you got good credit, so we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you.